you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Forever. <coughs> Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and huge fan of colorful pens. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and robot. You're not a robot. I am not a robot. That is the um, Marina and the Diamond song, that I, one of them that I really, really love. But I, you know, how do you know I'm not a robot? What evidence do you have? I don't know. You have that vein that sticks out on your hand. Ah, yes, I have very veiny (laughs) hands, but that could be something someone designed. That's true. You know what I was going to say? I was going to be like, I don't know. I guess you've seen me in a swimming pool. Couldn't a robot be waterproof? (laughs) I thought in my head, it's like I'm a toaster and you throw me. You know what I mean? And you throw me. (laughs) Melissa just said phones are waterproof. I'm a robot less advanced than a phone. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, I've seen you bleed. When? When you walked into that door with your head. (gasps) You're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that's evidence. I'll give you that. I'm a robot. That's not true. Yes, I am. (laughs) Are you malfunctioning? (laughs) Here's the thing, as I said this before, is that we have like an interview coming up today that's like with a very smart, intelligent person. And me and Al was like, Allison, I love that we're interviewing this person. And then you and I are regularly like, are there 46 states? Like we are... (laughs) How did we achieve the ability to interview these people? (laughs) Because we don't have to know this stuff. We just have to ask questions. That's true. That's incredibly true. This show actually is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. I want to say something. We are going back to once a week. Oh, yeah. We're going back to once a week. A longtime listeners of the show will know that originally we were once a week and then we became twice a week for a businessy decision, I guess. A test. A test. A test decision. But Gabby and I both feel that like creatively the show worked a lot better as one episode. Like we think that what makes it unique as a podcast was all the different segments and then to divide the segments into two episodes. It was harder for me to understand what the show was. I wasn't jazzed about it it wasn't a a true variety show anymore right and there wasn't like the ability to kind of go from segment to segment in a way that like allowed the show to be the roller coaster it should be it was different yeah Yeah. so hopefully you guys are excited about that it's all going to be back to once a week on wednesdays couldn't be more jazz this is the last week of twice a week So this week on the show, after the break, we're going to be joined by Ash Fontana asking some tough questions about artificial intelligence. Beep, boop, beep, bop, bop. Stay tuned. Just between us. 
Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, our guest is Ash Fontana, author of The AI First Company and just uh, all-around technology investor and wizard. Uh, But we wanted to talk about artificial intelligence today. So hello, Ash. Hey, guys. Let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I've heard you on other shows and like, obviously mm. that those are with people who know what you're going in with a certain knowledge base. And this show, let's assume we know nothing. So sure. <laughs> so what when we're talking about AI, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about something that's not like us. We're talking about something that doesn't think like us, doesn't remember stuff like us, doesn't process stuff like us. It's just not like us. And in a sense, for so many years, I thought the term AI was so silly because it's so unspecific, but it's actually totally right. Like it's the right way to think about it. It is artificial. It can't do the things we can do, but Mm -hmm. it also can do stuff that we can't do. So that's what I think we're talking about broadly. What, what kind of stuff does it do that we mm. can't do and vice versa? Mm. Well, it can be consistent, which <laughs> we're not very good at. It can calculate things more quickly. It's just like variations of calculating stuff more quickly, right? So, you know, we can think in probabilities. We can like draw out equations and multiply things, you know, in big strings, but we're pretty limited. We can't like factor in lots of probabilities of lots of things happening all at once. Like, for example, when you're trying to predict the weather, you've got to factor the probability that this might happen and that might happen and that might happen. So there's lots of probabilities all in combination. We're not very good at that stuff. AI is pretty good at that stuff. And and actually, the guy that first invented computers as we use them today, John von Neumann, he invented them because he wanted to predict the weather. (laughs) He didn't invent a lot of AI. He actually did think about it far before a lot of other people did, but he invented the computer first and then unfortunately passed away. But so that's an example of what it's good at that we're not good at. Also just perceiving things uh, that we can't really perceive. I guess this is probably more of a limitation of the thing it's using to perceive, like how good the camera or the microphone or something is. But once it gets all those signals all at once, it's sort of good at that. But actually we're sort of better at it than that today. Like we're good at perceiving lots of things in parallel. Like I can see you, I can hear you. And I can sort of, if I was in the same room, I could room, I could smell you or like feel some electrical force around you or something. And then I could like get a good sense of you. AI is not so good at that today, but it's probably more limited by its senses. And when it gets better senses, better cameras, better mics, it could do more of that. So that's something it's better at than us, like probabilistic thinking something that it's not better at than us, which is parallel thinking, and something that it could get better at than us, which is processing a lot of things it can perceive in parallel, but not yet. What are some ways that companies are are really using AI that we're not even thinking about? Oh, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> there's the bad stuff. Um, there's, But that's all the military stuff. It's not really companies. It's rare that you find companies doing bad stuff with it. Companies are doing things that we're probably aware of, but don't think about, like we don't really understand how they work, but we're aware that they're working. So 
Spotify Discover playlist, Netflix recommendations, Amazon recommendations, every single Google search result, every time you use Google Maps and put a typo in there and like get the name of the place completely wrong. Every time you type anything into your iPhone, really, all those photos that it suggests to you, like that memory of the X that pops up really frequently and is quite annoying. So it's <laughs> we're aware that like that probably involves AI, but it actually involves a lot of really, really advanced AI. The stuff that we're probably not aware of where it's being used is probably like along the supply chain, for example, like predicting when a truck might arrive and if it's going to be super late, how to send another truck so that we have cold milk in the fridge at the convenience store. Um, So there's a lot of AI going on there. Probably could be a lot more, to be honest, but a lot of AI going on there. There's a little bit, for example, in predicting how much power we'll use tomorrow so that we make enough power in the power plants and don't have blackouts. There's so much AI that goes on in signal processing, like what's happening between you and me right now. There is gobs and gobs of AI going on there, like processing the sound as it goes through this microphone into the computer and the backgrounds and the blurring, like just to blur a background on a video call. That is some really advanced stuff, like really, really advanced stuff. It's really hard. So there are probably things we don't actually even think about because it's not like pushed to us. It's just happening quite literally in the background that uses a heap of AI. What, what's happening with the military? Kind of, I was about to ask the same thing. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> glossed over that. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> We can sort of tell, right, like from the outside, you know, drones use a lot of AI to see where they're going and then to see who's in front of them and whatnot and then calculate what they should do next. And so you can imagine how those things are used, you know, one, to just observe what's going on in certain places around the world, but two, to, you know, target things, target weapons and whatnot. So there's a lot going on there. But it's the stuff you think about and it's like any tool, right? Like if it's in the right hands, it's great. And if it's in the wrong hands, it's not so great. A hammer, right hands can be used to make things. The wrong hands can be used to break things. So, you know, there's a little bit going on there. I think um, probably what we're not aware of that happens in the background on the government side that is actually quite often used for good is just monitoring what people are saying around the world and sort of catching groups that are, to put it lightly, working themselves up into a bit of a tizzy about something online, like a little in a forum or like on Twitter and starting to propagate some sort of just wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. AI is used to just analyze a lot of text at scale on Twitter and forums and whatever online just to catch that stuff and nip it in the bud, you know, shut down people saying nasty things online before they encourage a lot of other people to do the same thing. But with predictions, so like, yeah, what Mm. are the pitfalls? Because it's predicting Mm. stuff. You even mentioned like, it's showing you, oh, like you might want to see this memory and like it's your ex or I've seen stuff where it's like, okay, we want to like do predictions with, you know, mm-hmm. people's faces and it can't read black people's faces. Like what are some mm-hmm. of the the pitfalls? Yeah. I guess the first thing to say is at least some of the time any prediction will be wrong mm-hmm. because otherwise it wouldn't be a prediction. It would be a rule. So all these systems are, are really probabilistic that they cause. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to be wrong, not 0% of the time. Well, at least some of the time. So. The question is more not when and how will it be wrong, it's what's the cost if it is wrong. And so, yeah, if it shows up a photo of something that you don't really want to remember that much, well, most of the time that's fine, or a recommendation to buy something that you don't really want to buy, like 
I don't know, some party supply thing on Amazon. So, all right, well, I don't want to buy that, but that's sort of funny. Or a bad movie. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll just flip to the next one. So there's not really a lot of cost there. But if it brings up something that's really offensive, like it recognizes the wrong person in a photo, yeah, that can hurt you. That's pretty annoying. The, the question is like, where does it get it really wrong? You know, does a crate of milk show up at the wrong time? Okay, that's fine. Do 400 crates of milk show up at the wrong time and then go bad? That's not really, that's a huge waste of money. And, you know, also a whole bunch of resources that went into that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just shouldn't drink milk, but that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oat milk doesn't really go bad. Um, so it just depends on the cost of it. And and you just got to weigh off. And I sort of lay out a lot in my book, like this, this payoff problem. Like think about the payoffs of the system you're using. And if they're really bad, the system better be really, really accurate, like in a medical context. Right. And if the payoff's like fine, if it's not so bad, if it gets it wrong, well, you can deploy a system even when it's like 60% accurate. Cool, fine, whatever. Not for medical stuff though. I don't think you can. Definitely not. <laughs> yes. So where does all of this land in terms of like jobs for humans? Like, yeah. do, you, do you see a lot of jobs going away in the future? Yes, but I think it lands in a really good place. The fact is technology, let's just go back, right? Like, let's just think of what is technology? It's a thing that gives us leverage over something. And so the first bits of technology we developed were physical tools and they gave us leverage over physical space, like a trap or a spear, allowed us to sort of reach beyond where our own bodies could reach in physical space. And that allowed us to get more food than we sort of needed. Instead of just like picking it from within our reach, we could throw a spear at something out of our reach and have food for a week. And then the second sort of wave of technology, and I sort of go through this at the start of the book, is giving us leverage and really that physical leverage by the way like all went all the way through to the industrial age because when you think about it like machinery in a factory is just lots of little physical levers then we had intellectual leverage which is really computers and they allow us to calculate a whole bunch of stuff we can't really calculate in our head and store a whole bunch of stuff information and and do things like run complex supply chains and so that gave us leverage intellectual leverage to think about things and price things and that allowed us to bring things forward in a way like get debt and things like that. What AI does is it gives us gives us leverage over time. And so, you know, if you can predict the weather, you can decide what crop you're going to grow. And if you can decide, make better decisions about what crop you're going to grow, well, you can have more food. You can yield more from that crop. So where I'm getting at here is I think it ends in a good place because we're just getting more leverage over time. We've got a lot of leverage over space and over in the intellectual domain, in our brain and over our brain. And we, if we get more leverage over time, we're going to have more stuff. And so the question is then, again, what do you do with more stuff? What do you do if you have more food when you want it and how you want it and as, as cold as you want it um, or as tasty as you want it? Well, you can work less or you can work the same amount and have more, right? Like mm-hmm. if there is abundance, you just have to make a choice as to what you do with that. So I think it ends in a good space theoretically, very, very pragmatically. Yeah, sure. A few jobs will go away. It's completely overblown, right? Like it's really, really, really hard to drive a car with a computer. It's not going to happen for a long time. Let's get that totally straight. And it's incredibly hard to automate pretty much anyone's job completely. Some jobs will sort of partially be automated, just like you know we've seen over the last 50 years. You know, people in factories with robots and making cars and stuff like that. But to wrap it up, some jobs are being created. 
right? Like a lot of jobs we, we do today, like what we're doing right now, recording a podcast for entertainment and getting paid for it in some way, little way, some big way, I don't know. Um, a lot of jobs are being created, labeling data, managing data, moving data around, designing systems, thinking about the ethics of these systems. Like there's so much involved in making these technologies that requires skills that people didn't have before. So jobs are, jobs are being created for sure. Are there going to be like humanoid robots that are just like taking up, like being coming secretaries and like taking over? <laughs> yeah, I really don't think so. Hey, it's the case that like one, a lot of what people do. So secretaries is one thing that's sort of like maybe more possible, but think of like folding something. Yeah. That is so hard for a robot to do. Folding a shirt and putting it in a drawer is so hard and it's so far away from being possible. It's not funny. Wow. Thinking about what like a, a secretary in an office does. Yeah. Most of what they do can sort of be done maybe possibly by a robot, but a lot of it can't. And also why is someone really there to greet you? It's to make you feel good a lot of mm -hmm. the time. It's not to like make coffee or move a seat around or take you to a room, whatever. Like you, you can do that with signs and machines and stuff. They're there to make you feel good and greet you and help you and introduce you and welcome you and answer questions that like they couldn't find answers to. But isn't that why they put like a human face on it? Isn't that why they try to be like, and it's cute and it's a robot yeah. with like, a you know, this is Wally or whatever. Yeah, but no one believes that. Like <laughs> no one likes that. Like, let's be honest for a second. No one actually likes that. That's not the same thing. And I think a lot of these companies that are trying to create robots or even just like companion bots online to give company to people like give company to the elderly or help kids learn things or whatnot. You know, frankly, a lot of them have great intentions, but the, the effect of that is like not good. A lot of these things have a really false pretense. I think the people doing really boring stuff, like figuring out how to make bottles more cheaply with robots, they're doing the work that actually creates abundance for us. Like that's what AI is good for. AI is not good at keeping this company. And I think we should just sort of deprioritize that for a while, maybe. I was surprised to hear you say that you don't think self-driving cars are going to to happen soon. Is that, did I oh, hear that yeah. correctly? You totally heard that correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, don't they have like all these things where they're like, it's going to deliver your Postmates and it's a little car. Sure. They say that but they don't work and people <laughs> kick them over and then it rains and then, you know, a car drives over it or a dog runs in front of it or, you yeah. know, they encounter a street that is a bit wonky and too steep. It's like they went up my street, it's 20% great. It'd probably fall backwards. Right. Like it's not made for that. Like, so no, these things don't really work that well. I will qualify this by saying making one of those things work in a very controlled environment. So for example, in a nursing home where on every single corner or every 10 feet or 10 meters along the road, there's the little sensor to keep it on track, like a physical little thing on the side of the road that it can look at and check, okay, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I turn left, now I'm here. Like if you have that, if it's a controlled environment, yeah, they work great. They, and we've made amazing progress there. But if it's just in the wild, like you throw it on some random street in Thailand or New Zealand at a farm or whatever, like this thing will crash really quickly. 
So you don't think that like Ubers are going to be self-driving in like 10 years? Oh, I mean, it's just a matter of the time frame, right? So 10 years? No, I, I don't think they will. I'll put a whole heap of qualifiers here. I don't think <laughs> Ubers will be fully self-driving in any given environment without any human intervention of any form within 10 years. No. Okay. And we're not going to have <laughs> emergency, like doctors, like robot mm. doctors or robot. Like medicine is, oh, seems so oh, scary. No medicine way. seems really scary to me as like a thing, but I'm a Star Trek fan and they always have like medical oh, hologram yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The error, the room for error the is too great. The tricorder. Yeah. I always know the tricorder looks like a, a T-Mobile sidekick. And I'm always like, oh, let me <laughs> diagnose your cancer with this like TI-83 calculator. <laughs> Isn't surgery going to become more AI in the future? Yeah, it already is in some ways. And there's actually some really cool stuff going on there. And I've tried to sort of find more companies doing cool stuff there. I think where it's really useful sort of now slash in the near, very near term, next couple of years, is helping people be aware of things that if they were fully awake, on the ball, 100%, had all the assistance and whatever else in the world, they would recognize anyway. But, you know, given the human beings, they might, you know, forget. So, for example, it's like, oh, just make sure you tick off this thing on the checklist, like double check that the stitch um, was done this way or double check that, you know, if you tug it that way, it'll actually stay. Or when you put this thing back together, check this fluid level. Anyway, I can go on and on, but I'll get into too much gory detail. It's good for things like that, like just being in the background and double checking and just prompting you to go, yep, just be careful of that. Just be careful of that. Uh, it's good for analyzing videos later and checking if surgeons are keeping quality levels. It's good for training, you know, analyzing those videos and picking out bits for training. It's good for all that sort of stuff. In terms of like doing the surgery, it's no, it's super hard. But again, it can sort of assist, right? Like it can be used to access spaces guided by a human. But again, between the human's hands controlling the thing in the very small space, and the robot hands in that really small space, there's a lot of AI involved for mm -hmm. navigation and sensing and whatnot. So again, like it's being used today in the interstitial spaces between the human action and then the effect of that action. It's being used along the pathway, but it's not doing the actual thing. It's like us, like AI is not making the jokes and forming the questions here, but it's helping us do a lot of stuff that helps mm -hmm. us have this conversation on all in all different parts of the world with super high clarity. How does this work with um, sustainability? Because I know you mentioned mm. like not wasting stuff and I was interested in like the, uh, the, the ways of using less plastic or fast mm. fashion or like mm. making better products for customers so things don't go to waste. So can you talk about mm. like how AI helps with like waste and sustainability? Oh yeah, so much. So at a high level, you know, being able to make predictions around how much stuff we actually need, you know, how much milk do you need in the store? How much bread do you need in the store? How much electricity do we need tomorrow? Where does the water need to flow? Making predictions about that means we don't waste a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff goes bad and electricity, once you generate it, has to go somewhere. That's mm -hmm. a, it's an electron. It just keeps moving until it's used up. Otherwise, you have to sink it into the ocean. So being able to make predictions about how much of something to produce and where to put it uh, is super valuable. And that's what AI fundamentally is. It's a technology to make predictions. And then 
being able to automate things reduces costs and waste. So being able to automate, you know, steps in the production line means that it'll get executed the same same way every time. So the fabricating of a metal part fabricated by, by a robot means that it's done the same way every time. Whereas if a human does it, sometimes they'll make a mistake and I'll have to throw the whole thing out and start again. That's a whole bunch of metal that would pull out of the earth and waste it. So that's at a high level. Like I can go through tons of examples. So I've used the example of like inventory in the store. I've used the example of predicting electricity a day ahead on the electricity grid, using image analysis to find leaks in pipes. We just lose so much water in the water system because of leaks and bad maintenance. And it's because it's like really hard to check millions and millions and millions of kilometers of pipes. But if you've just got cameras flying around checking those pipes for you and then AI is looking at those images, well, then you can check and then send the person to the right place, sending trucks to the right place so that we don't, you know, use, you send empty trucks around, sending planes to the right place so we don't send empty planes around and dump a whole bunch of CO2 in the atmosphere. But then there's the really cool stuff. It's like, well, why do we even use plastic? Why don't we just come up with a whole new compound that biodegrades better? And so, you know, using AI to develop new materials is super cool and something I'm spending a fair bit of time on, have spent a bit of time on. Um, so anyway, I can go on and on, but uh, all of those things and more. This might be a silly question, but as we become more dependent on technology and AI, are we like opening ourselves up more for interference from hackers? Absolutely. That's a very, very smart question. Okay, phew. (laughs) (laughs) Once something's out of your reach, like, yeah, a lot of stuff can happen to it. So, yeah, everyone should be really thoughtful about this. You know, if you put a whole bunch of information out there so that you get better recommendations, like, for example, all of your location data, and then it is stolen, you know, you let an app access all your location data because, you know, you want a restaurant recommendation when you're hungry at 6 p.m. in a city you've never been to before. Yeah, cool. That's great. There's some value in that. But if that app uh, gets hacked, then someone knows exactly where you've been and basically can make a highly accurate prediction about where you're going to be next because they know where your home is because it's the place you've been 400 times in the last 400 days. Um, So yeah, bad stuff can happen. If someone's out to get you, if they're not, whatever, the data is worthless. It's just data. It's not information. But if they want to do something to you, then it's information to help them do that. Anyway, lots and lots of examples. You know, we don't have to get too creative here. But um, yeah, no, we absolutely are opening ourselves up to that. And, you know, that's why I'm personally super careful about where I put all of my data and what data I give away and don't. And, you know, it's a bit of a hassle these days, right? Because so many apps are trying to gather data from you um, so that they can provide more value to you so that you can pay for something and they capture some of that value. So yeah, it's, it's happening every day and you've just got to like aggressively turn it all off, turn off the permissions every couple of months, go through and delete data that you didn't know you submitted. Maybe you did all your location data, delete apps, contact companies and tell them to delete all your stuff. I mean, it goes, I, you can, I can go on and on, but like having a system for keeping track of this and doing your own audit of where your data is, is probably something that's worth it in the long run, I would say. What about on a larger scale, mm-hmm. like hacking elections or what just happened with the mm-hmm. pipeline, you know, the coastal pipeline yeah. and um, yeah. on a larger scale? Yeah. I mean, basically anything that's connected to the internet and not you know, encrypted to a really high degree is fair game at some point. And pretty much everything's connected to the internet, right? And not everything's encrypted and protected in the right way. So yeah, there's a real risk that core 
societal services are interrupted by hacks. And Mm. basically, again, anything you can think of from your TV just not working one day to that toothbrush you bought that's connected to the internet, someone can hack that too. People can hack you through your doorbell. They can like get in through your internet connected doorbell and get information that's passing through your home network, like you logging into your bank account. I mean, that's a thing. Like it can totally happen. Um, But anything that's connected to the internet is sending data to and from itself to other things. And it's fair game. It could happen. It sucks because you want, like, I'm like, I want Spotify to recommend me stuff. I Mm -hmm. want Yelp to be able to tell me what restaurants, Mm -hmm. but then you're like, well, I should turn all of that off, which makes these apps worth me having so Mm. that when the Russians decide Mm -hmm. to take over. It's a, it's a tough (laughs) trade-off to make, but you know, there are questions of degree that are worth asking, which is like, well, one, how useful are a lot of these apps to you? Do you really like value those recommendations that much? And if not that much, just delete them. That's easy. Mm-hmm. And then if they are useful, well, why not just delete all the data every three months? Mm-hmm. Um, because then if someone steals it, they can't get that much. Or if they're really useful to you and like you just can't think of a way that someone could possibly use that data, then sure, or like there's, there's no one out to get you. So thinking about it on an individual basis is like, sort of tractable it's sort of possible to think through what could go wrong and then think through what you could do about it um, if you just sit down for a bit and do that now thinking about it at a societal level not an individual level yeah that's really really hard and we need really smart people and we need really smart citizens talking to our representatives about this and having active conversations about this so that we can think through all the possible risks at a societal level. That's harder. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the race of it all, like especially when it mm. comes to facial recognition software? Hmm. Yeah, it's it's the case that I think it's probably in a sense a temporary problem and in a sense a permanent problem. It depends what we use it for. So Yeah, a lot of the models here that have been trained so far were trained on really specific data sets. And the designers of those systems, the people that designed the predictive systems and trained them and whatnot, just didn't really think about, honestly, like where they would be instantiated, where they would be used in the real world. And they didn't really think about, well, okay, I should probably train it on a whole bunch of images that represent the real world. The real world is full of people that look very different from each other. And so, yeah, it's the case that a lot of systems are really poorly designed. And honestly, that just comes down to the designer. There's no like way to say, well, it was an accident. Uh, not really. I don't really think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a designer was trying to get their job done. And, you know, it was really hard to get a representative data set. And they just, at some point, they're like, meh, this is going to be good enough. This is going to work. And it turned out it didn't. So that's the case today. Now, these are very fixable problems. Like you just have to get better data sets and do more work and retrain the models and then they will represent reality more closely. Of course, they won't be right all of the time, but they won't be right on white faces, black faces, all sorts of faces. So they they can be evened out in terms of their representation of the real world. Now, that's if they're just used for one thing. If we start using these facial recognition models to do other things, so this goes back to the payoff thing, like actually make decisions that affect people, like do bad things, like recommend to a police person to 
follow up with someone, to put right. it lightly, then, right. you know, we want them to be super right and then mm-hmm. not real. They're sort of there today, but not really in some places. And then if we want to add elements to it, like it's facial recognition plus plus something else, so facial recognition plus name recognition plus looking into your credit history plus blah, 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 you know, then you're using these systems in tandem to figure out whether to chase someone down or not. And, you know, that's where you get problems compounding. Like if the facial recognition model was a little bit wrong and then it matched to the wrong person with the wrong credit store. And then like all of a sudden the cop car appears at their door. It's like something really bad and traumatic has happened because there was just like a series of errors. So yeah, it depends what we use it for, but facial recognition itself, like, you know, we should today be able to make representative models pretty much. I find that I find facial recognition so scary and like, I understand the benefits, but I'm also like literally to get into Disney with like my partner, Mm. my sister, you had to give like a facial whatever. And I was Mm. like, what is that being used for? Yeah. And my partner was like, I'll take the picture if I can have my eyes closed. And the woman Mm. was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's rampant. I I had this happen to me like one hour ago, I walked into a gym. They wanted to take my photo and then they used a facial recognition thing to measure my temperature. And I was like, this is a gym. Like I just want (laughs) to I just want to move some things around on the floor. Like, what do you need my face? Like, it's yeah. just completely unnecessary. And now what I have to do is to later tonight, I have to go back to that gym and ask them to delete it. And I have to stand there until they delete it. Because I don't know, I don't really want someone knowing that I've been there, that I've been in the city at this time and attached to the scan of the passport they had to take and all this sort of stuff. Like, the smartest IT people, security IT yeah. people in the world don't work at this gym. So they'll probably <laughs> right. be hacked at some point. What about, so like I, a movie that I uh, am obsessed mm-hmm. with that maybe people have forgotten about is Minority Report. In <laughs> mm-hmm. like using that kind of thing to predict crime mm-hmm. and to like arrest people before they've done anything. Like, is that kind of a thing that you could see happening, like looking at someone's patterns and where they've been and being like, okay, we'll arrest them before they do the thing. Yeah, I can probably see that happening, but like it's sort of obviously a pretty bad policy. Right. And it's sort of obviously something that like we've just got to fight as citizens. You know, the closer and closer we get to minority report, the more and more we have to fight back because that is just flipping reality upside down. Like it's sort of incepting reality and you sort of get into all sorts of interesting concepts like a Heisinger principle, like if by observing someone's behavior and then sort of suggesting something that they might be something or someone, maybe you even mm-hmm. encourage them to be that 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 right. someone or something or do that thing. Anyway, right. that's a little bit theoretical, but some versions of that might be true. Like if you put someone into detainment for a day or two here or there because you suspect them of something and they're ultimately innocent. So they're only in there. They're only detained for a day. Well, I don't know. Maybe they meet someone while they're detained that then they meet up with outside and they do something bad and Mm -hmm. they get bad, bad influences in their life. So it can sort of happen very easily, even if it doesn't go all the way towards minority report. And by happen, I mean like bad things can happen to people's lives, even if they're not actually arrested before they do a crime. 
Mm-hmm. I always think about like post 9-11 and the way that mm-hmm. everyone was sort of like, we need to find terrorists. We need to stop these things before they're happening. And like the mm-hmm. ways in which that could really people could get behind that in, mm-hmm. if another something like that happened. And then like uh, the the slippery slide into Islamophobia and just like I think like there are people who would be like, don't take my data, but do mm-hmm. do find the terrorists, you know, mm-hmm. Mm. And like, what's the cognitive dissonance there? Like, what would you say to someone to be like, okay, but this is how it could be used against you, you know? That's a really well put question. The cognitive dissonance is to find the terrorists, you need to cast a really wide net, which means you need to collect everyone's data, which means everyone's fair game. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the dissonance. Like these tools are good at, finding the needle in the haystack, so to speak. They're very helpful in doing that, but we're all in the haystack. And Mm -hmm. so if they're wrong, they'll find us and they'll pin us. Just, I guess, on maybe a more hopeful note, like, is there there a way for AI to sort of deal with, like, the rampant, like, income inequality and poverty in this country? Mm -hmm. Like, is is there some way for that to, to fill that hole? So... This sort of broad, slightly unhelpful, but like very real answer is, you know, with more abundance, it's like we're all better off. So if we're able to figure out ways to continue to produce good food um, at scale, then, you know, there'll be more and it does sort of make itself available to everyone. You know, frankly, a lot of the innovations in finance allow more people to access more cash earlier, like get money earlier and borrow earlier than they would otherwise be able to borrow. There are companies that, you know, with more information will make more available the more parts of the market, whether it's food, housing, um, financing, loans, all that sort of stuff. And stuff gets cheaper. Like we all enjoy like a pretty amazing quality of life, uh, even at very low incomes today, because technology has made a lot of things cheaper. So this is sort of like, very real, but like sort of unhelpful and indirect answer to the question. In terms of addressing really specific problems, the potential's there for sure. Like the potential to understand, okay, how do we allocate housing in a way where we're going to prevent like the most grave outcomes? Like for example, a kid being without a house for a month, as opposed to someone else being without a house for um, two weeks. The potential to apply AI to use these things is really huge. Um, you know, we've just got to set the right incentives. Like we've got to set incentives for smart people who can build these systems to work in government and not work for private companies and sell more ads and help people buy more crap they don't need online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the potential is absolutely there to help governments make better decisions, allocate resources better and so on. But, you know, you need the right people in government that know how to use these systems. And unfortunately, a lot of them are working on, you know, what I think to be pretty unimportant problems today. Like what? Like helping people buy more crap online. (laughs) (laughs) Or like the military is more concerned with like using it for like security reasons versus like. Yeah. I mean, you could argue a lot of that is, look, this is coming from a pacifist, right? You could argue a lot of that is ultimately reducing suffering because it's preventing a lot of attacks um, and ultimately is defensive or it's offensive in a small way to prevent others being offensive in a big way. But anyway, that's another sort of argument and depends on the approach you take and you got to factor in a lot of different stuff. But yeah, no, the potential is there to to allocate resources way, way better and, you know, to just reduce waste, like food waste, right? So much food waste. Half of food is lost between 
the farm and the table, quite literally. And if we're able to figure out ways to figure out when things are spoiling in like a degree where if they spoil even the tiniest bit, people will pay a tiny bit less and then a bit less and then a bit less and a bit less all the way down to, of course, when it's not healthy to eat them anymore, we're going to be able to make more food available to more people. There'll be actual incentives for more people to ship more food to people because they'll know it'll be good rather than people finding out too late and too much food is spoiled that they just throw it all out rather than make it available to people. So you can think of a combination of gas sensors and AI and logistic systems and whatnot being able to do that. And so instead of half the food disappearing, it goes to people that need it while it's still good. Mm -hmm. What's like the coolest? So let's say in the next five years, what's like the coolest thing that's going to happen? And then what's like in the next, you know, what, where does this end up in your Mm. opinion, in your opinion? (laughs) I really don't like making predictions. So you put me in an uncomfortable spot. Why? Because you want the AI to make the predictions, Ash? (laughs) That's right. That's right, because then I can hold a machine to account and I don't have to be held to account. Look, I would say that the coolest thing in a meta sense is I think a lot of people are going to realize what we've been talking about, and that is a lot of really smart people are going to realize they can apply their talents to using AI to do stuff like save the planet and reduce inequality. I think a a lot of, I'm seeing that on the ground today. A lot of people realizing actually this is applicable to so many different problems that really matter and I can stop working on these other problems. So I think that's the coolest thing in a meta sense, in a literal sense, or in terms of like what actually might be brought into the world that'll be really cool over the next couple of years. I think a lot around energy and water usage. So making people a lot more aware through lots and lots of data collection across water pipelines and from appliances and by getting data on like where you're spending money and what products you're buying and what flights you're taking and whatever, how much energy you're using. So I just, I really think awareness is going to come on a very personal scale through large scale data collection analysis rather than where it comes from today is, which is like you read an article in the paper once a month and you're like, Oh yeah, the plant's like really quite bad. It's really unhealthy and maybe I should do something about it. But I don't really know what my impact is and what I can do to reduce it. But I think people will become more aware of that through the use of this stuff. Cool. Before we move on to the game show, mm-hmm. All right. what would you say to somebody who who thinks AI is is just bad and we shouldn't we shouldn't be pursuing this at all? My antagonistic response to them would be like, is learning bad? Mm. Because AI is just intelligence and what is intelligence it's just learning more quickly it's like all right do you just not want to know anything and like if ai is bad why are you learning anything why are you reading anything why are you talking to anyone why are you sharing knowledge with anyone why did you have kids to share lessons with like why are you learning anything because this is all it does it just helps us learn better across generations and systems and cultures and whatnot We, we already have a way of learning it's just really slow And this just does more of it. So that would be my antagonistic answer, responding to a question with a question sort of thing. But I'd also just, you know, go and point out the ways in which it's used in their lives. You know, it's used to analyze things that are stuck to you while you're sitting in intensive care so that, you know, people know when to really pay attention to you. It's being used to price the loan that you use to buy your home. 
Um, so I'd point out a lot of that stuff. And I'd also do the, a third thing, which is I'd say to them, you know what, that's fine to believe and that's fine to instantiate in your own life. Like, yeah, don't use any of these systems. I, I personally don't use a lot of these AI systems in my own life, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't use them as society. Like have your view, but please don't try to sort of transpose that view to something that's at a societal level, like AI is bad and we shouldn't use it as a society because, you know, that frankly means like not much will work and we'll, we'll regress quite a lot. That's fair. <laughs> okay, so stick around. After the break, we'll be playing Hypotheticals. Just between us with hypotheticals. Okay, Ash, you and Gabby are going to be my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you have. Mm -hmm. And you would tell me what you would do in that situation. Does this sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So our first game is, is this a date? Okay. There is a hurricane warning in your area, and it is likely that you will lose power. Your next door neighbor asks if you want to come over to their house for the evening because they have a lot of candles and a powerful flashlight. Is this a date? Ash? <laughs> Definitely not. No way. That is not a date. Okay, hold on. Are they attractive? Yes. Did they offer to cook dinner? Yes. And how often have we like spoken or hung out before? <laughs> You've never hung out before, but you always say hello when you're walking your dogs. Are there two candles or 200 candles? There's 150. 150 candles? Yes, they said they have mm. a lot of candles. Yeah, you said that. I think it's a date because it's a hurricane warning. But, they, <laughs> but the oh. hurricane isn't happening. So they're like, come over just in case. But like, you still have power. And then if the power goes out, that's when you kiss. <laughs> mm. I have one more question before I say if it's a date or not. Yes, please. Is this in a city or in the countryside? Um, suburbia. It's a date. It's a date. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you have done a real 180. In the countryside, you need to do that to survive. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you think it's a date and you try to kiss them when the power goes out and then they hit you on the head with that giant flashlight. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> they, were, they were just being friendly. Oh, no. Oh, that's what I originally thought. Oh, well. <laughs> Bummer. I talked you into it. I talked you into it, Ash. I'm sorry. You did. I got you hyped. I know how this game works now. Yeah. Do you? Let's see. It's not a one against two. It's a two against one. No, All I'm right. not part of it. I'm on your side. All right. Sure. But sure. I'm bad at it as well is the problem. <laughs> okay. Okay. So our next game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay. You find out that your partner of 50 years had a full-blown affair with your best friend for the first five years of your marriage, but then your best friend suddenly died and they have been faithful to you ever since. Would you stay with this cheater? <laughs> Gabby is looking shocked. <laughs> this is so much more based in reality than usually. So now mm. I'm... I'm t I'm torn. Mm. This feels based in reality. A five-year affair with your best friend. This is pretty terrible. How did I find out? You found out because they they said it 
in a, a birthday card to you. For my 70th birthday, I presume. Yes. Ooh, okay. They had to get it off their chest. <laughs> Did either of us have a terminal illness when they admitted this? No. You're both doing okay. really well. Actually, AI has helped your health a lot and you're expected to live for a long okay. time. Yeah, probably right. Was the <laughs> other person, was your best friend religious? Oh, interesting question. Um, no. How did they die? They died in a self-driving car accident. <laughs> <laughs> they were crossing the road and the car didn't recognize it was a person. Mm. Wow. Did they accompany the birthday card with an incredibly good, like extraordinary 10 times better than usual present? Yes. They bought mm. you a small boat. Ooh. <laughs> so would they have continued the affair if my friend hadn't died? Well, that is the question. That's the question, yeah. Why were they having an affair? Why not just break up with me? They loved you both. <sighs> I do believe in that. Also, you're a really good cook. <laughs> I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would stay because what else am I doing? <laughs> I'd go and I'd have a new life. A new life. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not try something else? Have a new life. I actually, I, I think Ash wins this one. It's time for a new wow. life. Because five oh. years with your best friend is really bad. It's really bad. It's such a long Especially time. the first five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that your yeah. new life doesn't go well. Um, and you also die oh. in a self-driving car. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. But one probably wasn't linked to the other. It's the same car, and that car mm. is just knocking off everyone in your life. <laughs> it's recognizing people with a certain smell that someone's attracted to. Yeah. Mm. Herbie fully mm. loaded is fully loaded. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our final game. Are you a terrible parent? You can tell that your daughter, 15, is stealing alcohol from your liquor cabinet. In order to prevent this from continuing to happen, you put laxatives in all of your alcohol without telling her. She then poops her pants at a high school party and vows never to drink again. Are you a terrible parent? So did you do research before as to the lethal dose of laxatives? Absolutely. And is, does this affect her standing at her high school or her high school career at all? Well, yeah, because she pooped her pants. <laughs> I know, but just now is she a loser? Um, She still has her good friends, but people do make fun of her. That is a bummer. Oh, she's 15. What are they making fun of her by saying? Like, can you give me some examples of what they're yelling at her? Yeah, the so they'll be like, hey, poopy pants. <laughs> <laughs> You're late for class. And that was actually a teacher calling her that. Was she drinking a lot before or just like having a beer at a party sort of thing? Was she like going home, getting home super drunk and vomiting? Well, yeah, she was, well, she was stealing quite a bit from your liquor cabinet. Mm. But had she had like a problem with drinking as in had it got her in trouble or had she been sick or had she been like doing mm. things she shouldn't have been doing and wouldn't have done if she wasn't drinking before this? Well, you don't know what she's up to at these parties, but other, yeah. other than that, you're not sure. Does she stop going to parties? No, she doesn't stop going to parties, okay. but she doesn't drink anymore. She just does cocaine. No! <laughs> oh, I'm no. Okay. I'm going to have to get her to snort, <laughs> snort laxatives. I go in her room. I crush up the laxatives. I take the cocaine out. I put the laxatives in. Okay. I was going to say she's this, is, this person's a good parent. 
But now I think they're a bad parent. Yeah. I say good parent. Oh, and turn the cocaine into laxatives too. <laughs> Stick with the strategy at all costs. <laughs> I think I think Ash wins again because it's really embarrassing to poop your pants at a party. But then I'm I'm preventing her from needing to go to rehab and recovery. She's addicted yeah. to cocaine now. I'm going to make that laxatives too. All right. I'll give it a tie. You have a draw. <laughs> that works. Sick. That totally works. Wow. Ash, was this what you were expecting? This is so different to what I was expecting. <laughs> because every podcast has like a quick fire round. What's your favorite book? What's your best career lesson? And this is like full-blown hypothetical. Like I had to think. Yeah. yeah. We like to really throw you a curveball at the end of your time with us. Sure. Yeah. And speaking of, we like to have our guests rate their experience on the podcast. So if you could mm-hmm. just tell us like a number, you know, at X out of X, how, what kind of what kind of time you had, uh, if you have any criticisms okay. or, or critiques on what we could do better. 44 out of 47 is the rating. Okay. 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 Room for improvement, but not terrible. Very high rating. The positives were... It was fun and it was set at the right level, which is like, it was just a normal conversation between normal people rather than sort of trying to be anything else and trying to elevate any one of us above anyone else. So that's what I liked about it. I think the critiques are you didn't play the guitars behind you, firstly, and you didn't take a super cool photo like the ones behind you and process it live. So they're sure, my critiques. Sure. I want more music, basically. More music and more art. That's fair. You're right. You're right. We should be providing We're going to work on that. Okay, phew. Ukuleles, like clarinets, whatever. More I music understand. and live paintings of the hypothetical situation um, of the hurricanes or whatever else, you know. I understand. Something like that. I do have a noise machine that maybe I should be incorporating into the hypothetical. Oh, no. yeah. No. Like one with like pre, preloaded sounds like horns oh, yeah. and chickens <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, that'd be great. This is a nightmare for me. This is going to be great oh, for us, yeah, Gabby. Oh, yeah, going to be a nightmare for you. You're going to have some really weird dreams. It's going to yeah. be AI predicting when I kill Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we're all separated these days. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find out more about you and your book? Uh, Well, my name is Ash Fontana, A-S-H-F-O-N-T-A-N-A. And that's how I appear on all of the internet. Um, So you can find me Gmail, Twitter. I don't really use Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, whatever. And then the book is called theaifirstcompany.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you to Ash for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by Allison Raskin and me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa DeMonts. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash team. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, at Gabby Road and at BWM Pod for Gabby, and at Allison Raskin and at Emotional Support Lady for Allison. Also, at JBU Podcast. Bye! Forever! <laughs>